Hey, attendees, how are you out there? Uh, welcome from Tempe, Arizona. Um, and we have a nice guest today, and I've got my dogs here. So if you hear, you know, a little barking in the background, you'll know. And, you know, our chief fellow, Michael, that makes this all work, he's got his young ones. So if we're fortunate enough to hear the young ones talk a little bit, that, that makes it even more real. I, I love that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> Uh, we're going to have a nice, uh, nice day today working on this. So welcome to the huddle, and I, I'm so happy you're here. Uh, I was just looking at the temperature; it's 97 degrees outside here in Phoenix. So fall hasn't hit. I just came down from my place in Flagstaff, and it's freezing up there tonight. So you, you know, two-hour drive, you can be in freezing, and the leaves are all turning, and come down to Phoenix, and it's still 100 degrees. So. Um, that's just the nature of the beast in Arizona. You can go from hot to cold in no time and vice versa. So uh, I'd love to have you all on board and and uh, I'm going to get started. It's three o'clock and we might as well get ready to go. And this one's going to be about physical literacy and we'll get into that in just a bit. But I have some news I want to share with you. And I want to welcome you to the PE Huddle. As you know, it's sponsored and supported by Gopher and uh, their generosity uh, to the education profession. Um, and that the team at Gopher really does strive to connect with teachers. Uh, they, they care deeply about the education profession. Uh, by now, I think many of you have seen the recent addition to the DPE ASAP website. We've added 28 units of instruction and over 250 lesson plans for secondary PE teachers. So all of you that were after me to do something for secondary PE teachers, it's up. All you have to do is go to dynamicpeasap.com slash pages and you'll be there. Ah, there it is, man. I tell you, Michael behind the scenes is making everything work for us. So good stuff. Um, and you can see some of the units we have and how good they are to work with. So um, I, I just think that's great news. And by the way, Michael, did a lion's share of work on this to help us get it ready. So thanks to him and the reason it's online. I got even more good news. And that is that recently Gopher just released a new inventory tool and it's called the PE Equipment Calculator. And all you must do is complete your inventory and the calculator actually prioritizes your equipment needs based on shape national standards. So it's not like you're gonna go out there and walk into the principal and say, I need $800. And he says, why? And you say, well, because I need more balls and more bean bags and, and I need a few soccer balls. Instead, it's a unique and meaningful way to share your equipment needs with your principal or PE leader. And it's a quick way to justify the needed equipment to support your PE program. So when you get a chance, go to gophersport.com slash PE calculator, all one word, and just watch the short instructional video on it on how to use it, and then download it immediately free of charge. Just fill out the form and you'll have instant access. All right, let's meet today's guest if we can. Gary Limke has emerged as a leader in blended learning for health and physical education. As a curriculum developer, he helps teachers and schools with new strategies and technology tools 
to achieve physical literacy and health literacy. He's a past president and executor, executive director of InShape in Indiana, as well as a past member of Shape America's Health Literacy Task Force. Gary's favorite gym is the great outdoors where he's often found cycling, hiking, boating, and now and then a little skiing. So welcome, Gary. Well, Bob, thanks for having me this afternoon. Well, it's, it, it's a joy to have you here and we've got a lot to talk about. I wanna talk about physical literacy and the impact it can have on you teachers. And, you know, one of the things I want to say to you folks uh, out there listening uh, before we get started is that PE jumps from trend to trend to trend to trend to trend to trend. Can I just tell you a few things we've emphasized in the past? First of all, it was the Swedish German systems. Then it was games and sports during World War I. Then we went in fitness testing during World War II because we thought our soldiers weren't fit enough. Then we went to movement education. Then we went to perceptual motor programs. Then we went to conceptual learning and basic stuff series. If you, this is if you're old enough to remember any of this. Then we went right back to physical fitness. Then wellness and nu nutrition in the WIC Act. Then integration of curriculum into the academic world and then SEL learning, and now physical literacy. Oh my gosh, what are you supposed to believe as a teacher? <laughs> what the heck is physical education? And here comes Gary Lemke. Now he's going to try to sell us on physical literacy and the value of it, and I think he's going to do a great job at it. But I just want to make a point to all you teachers out there. Be who you are and don't lose sight of what your profession's about. And just because we come up with some new terms and some new ways of looking at things, don't look down your nose at them either. And I think by the time we get done with this, you'll have a great feeling about physical literacy and what it is. So with that introduction, Gary, welcome. And let's start with the term physical literacy. Why was that term created? And you know, what's the driving force behind it? In other words, give us a little background if you would. Sure. Well, your preamble, Bob, you know, I feel like I got a big headwind now that it's like I'm just throwing one more threat thing out there and you're just going to put it on the pile. So <laughs> I hope uh, people stick with us for a few minutes and at least give it a chance. And uh, Absolutely, they will, because I know you have much to say. And to your theme, I, we're going to keep it very real. So I think that's a big part of this as well uh, with that. So the good news with physical literacy is it's not a brand new term. In fact, uh, it's been around for 70 years, goes back to the 1950s. Um, but really, I don't want to go that far back. You know, about 10 years ago, back in 2013, the NASB Standards Committee revised the standards, and uh, they had the term physically educated. And when they updated the standards, they went with physically literate, and that became part of the national standards. Thus, it's really not a new term as much because, but because it's part of the PE standards as we know today. Um, I'll also note that physical literacy is advanced in other parts of the world, maybe a little faster and a little deeper. Uh, I know Canada and a lot of uh, what I hear out of there, uh, they have definitely uh, put the, you know, their foot on the gas pedal there as well as other parts of the world. And that's part of the work of the International Physical Literacy Association itself. So, you know, what I will say is that it's not brand new. Um, and it's been part of our standards for the last 10 years. So that's the good news. 
Yeah, and and you know, I, I I might want to add, lest you teachers think that you know it's just physical education that's using the word literacy. It's not at all. The whole academic field and all mm -hmm. of education is talking about math literacy, science literacy. We're talking about literacy in a lot of different areas. So basically, you know, what does literacy mean? Well, that, that's a good question. I tell you what, I have a confession to make. The first time I heard physical literacy, uh, I was probably front of the line in terms of skeptics. Uh, it wasn't something, it just kind of felt like a, a bunch of mumbo jumbo, almost a marketing term, if you will. And uh, luckily, uh, I got some guidance. I listened to some folks, um, but also a lot of it was just really unpacking it word by word, taking all the pieces apart and reassembling it. And then kind of just one day the, uh, the light bulb went off and it's, it's been a big part of uh, the, the curriculum and the emphasis of what I'm uh, trying to do. But, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, I'll say that. So, and, and that goes to your question in terms of a common understanding. Uh, you do a Google search on physical literacy, you're gonna get many variations on that, that's for sure. And that probably is part of the reason it hasn't caught on as uh, quickly or as deeply as, as I think it should have. But uh, for the sake of our conversation today, let's go with this. The physically literate individual has the confidence, the knowledge, and the skills to enjoy a lifetime of helpful physical activity. And, I, you know, that's something I could say in my sleep. I say it 100 times. I say it every time. I get up to uh, to speak and, and that sort of thing. And there are three things I think that are, are that are really feel are quite appealing. One is it's succinct, knowledge, confidence, and skills. Knowledge, confidence, and skills. And I don't know that any of those terms are controversial. They're very accessible to the public. And and that I think overall uh, is is one of the values of of our definition here is that it's not full of a lot of jargon or you know secret speak or double talk or anything like that. And probably my favorite, it has a universal outcome, a lifetime of enjoyment. And you know, and, and what I'll tell people is I'll put up that on a slide and I'll say, hey, here's what physical literacy means. You wanna guess what word I think is most important in that. And of course the word that's in red makes it really easy to figure that out is enjoy. And I think that's a real, real key part of it uh, in terms of uh, where we need to go with physical literacy. Yes, knowledge, confidence, and skills, but wrapping that up, and we're gonna get a little more into that, I think, here today in terms of outcomes. We sure will. Um, well, what you just heard Gary say was that he's boiling it down and he's making it simple. And if you were to read about physical literacy, and he brought up other countries, uh, first of all, we're in the US, um, but if you read other countries' approach to it, it becomes very, very wordy. By the time you start reading it, you wonder what it means, and it gets into philosophical platforms that ever. And one of the reasons I wanted to have Gary on is because I think he distills it, he brings it down to very simple terms, and he isn't saying, you know, we got to, if you're not doing physical literacy, you're not teaching. And, and that isn't true at all. One of the things we have to do is we're using different terminologies and different ways of looking at things. Um, and and so I, I think that's why um, it's important for you. Do you think your definition is what it should mean for all PE teachers in the U.S.? You know, that's that's a good uh, today. Yes, you, you know, obviously there is uh, 
work behind the scenes going on. It'll go on probably for the next couple of years in terms of new standards. Uh, but uh, uh, there, there is no caveat or uh, condition that I would put on the use of that today. It's operationally, it works, it fits. Um, it's, as, as we just talked about, it's accessible. And uh, I think it, uh, you know, it really adds a lot of the why to what we're doing. Yeah. Um, well, you all listening to Gary and he's coming up with these ideas, but I think when you see um, he created and designed a parent's guide to physical literacy. And I think when you see that, by the time we, he talks us through that, you're going to see um, what we're talking about. So, uh, Gary, why don't you review your parent's guide with us, if you would, please? Sure, not a problem. I think uh, Michael uh, might have uh, the slides. Uh, we, we can bring those up. Great. Um, so, over the uh, uh, summer, I've uh, created a parent's guide to physical literacy. And um, why parents? Um, basically, because I think that puts a big onus to put it in the words of the general public, to put it in the words of people that have been through physical education, and uh, to, uh, to make sure that uh, we make it accessible. But I think, um, you know, some people say, well, why didn't you do a guide for teachers first? Or, why didn't you do one for administrators or you know some of the some of those uh, community and those folks? Well, guess what? Teachers, administrators, uh, classroom teachers, uh, people in the community, even state legislators, they're probably parents too. So this is a language that they can all understand um, and uh, really go through. So let me uh, it's a, got a cover page which has that definition there. Uh, and you'll see that on the uh, left side on the on the first page there and then we have five pages to back it up um, and if we go we'll go, we'll go through the pages uh, you know one at a time here uh, why physical literacy i think that's the most important thing we can do i think physical literacy is our why it's our brand um, and uh, basically uh, we've got to show that value and i know we've you know demonstrated and articulated the value of physical education in, in, with many benefits, but I think the literacy part takes it even further. You know, the, uh, what parent, if you ask a parent, what do you hope for your child? I hope they're happy, I hope they're healthy. Those are the two big benefits. And these four benefits here are ones that are cited in the Aspen Institute's uh, research. But some great things as it relates today, higher test scores and of course, uh, uh, um, achievement of, of potentially higher earnings potential. And there are many, many other benefits, and you know those. But we wanted to focus on four benefits that parents can get their arms around uh, that aren't controversial, that are backed by research, um, and uh, really basically to say, hey, this is physical literacy without physical literacy, if you want to put it the opposite way, you know, the potential for an individual of their best life is, is greatly diminished. With Gary, let, me, yeah. let me ask you a question here, Gary, while we have that page there. Please. What if that said, why physical education? Why, why is yours a thousand percent better because you use the word literacy? Wouldn't well, physical education do all those things? Very, good very good question. Let's assume that our story is physical education. And if we're writing our story, a journalist would say, well, you need to do the who, what, when, where, and how, right? Or, or uh, the why, I mean. And basically the, the who 
is the physical education teacher. The what? The what is physical education. And the why is physical literacy. Of course, the where and when is the school. Um, but basically, physical literacy, people will look at physical education as the what, not the why. Physical education is what we do. Physical literacy is the outcome. And I will say it's our brand, um, so to speak. Yeah, that's a good way to explain it. Okay, next page. So on the next page, we, we also know that parents uh, will uh, um, have a child that goes through all these developmental stages. And it's really good to kind of break down the physical literacy. If we talk about confidence, we talk about skills, we talk about knowledge, that happens at different stages of the development uh, of a child. And basically then, of course, to recognize that it's 18 and on. And in fact, most of physical literacy is lived outside of school, 18 plus years old. Um, so, you know, we're really talking about physical education, again, to your point or to your question earlier, physical education might be six through 18 in terms of age, but uh, um, physical literacy is age 19 through, you know, end of life. So I think that's important here. So really, you know, what we're talking about here is, <clears throat> you know what, uh, kids get to kindergarten and first grade and, and the big thing they... Uh, uh, the hardest thing to do is get them to sit still. And then you talk to high school PE teachers and their biggest frustration is how do I get them to move? And so, you know, how do we have that continuum where we, we are building skills, we're building confidence, we're building knowledge, but we don't kill the motivation and the, act, you know, the activity and the engagement. Uh, because when, once they walk out the door, after graduation, uh, this is what they get to take with them for the rest of their life. So that's that's really kind of uh, uh, that part there is to kind of wherever a parent is, they may have multiple children in multiple ages, they can see that. On the next page, I think it's really important that a parent, uh, you know, well, actually uh, back up, that would be the right-hand side of the last page there. But basically, the, the just a, a comprehensive list of the six areas of physical activity whether that be outdoor pursuits, physical uh, fitness activities, individual performance, dance and rhythmic activities, game, sports and recreation, aquatics. Our adults, our parents will come to physical education with impressions of what PE was for them that might have been in one, maybe only one of these categories, maybe only a few bullet points in, these, in one category. And I think we really wanna make the point here is that the more representation that we have in these six of the six categories and within the six, six categories, the more physically literate our individual is. And we need to you know, offer, I, I look at this as a smorgasbord. How do we make sure that we get our learners to at least take a taste of each of these dishes from the smorgasbord? Hey, you're gonna find some you like, you're gonna find some you, that are just okay, and you are gonna find some that have no appeal to you, and that's okay. Now you're gonna know what to go back for seconds and thirds for, and that's going to give you that movement for life. So I, I think it's really important that we look at physical education and communicate that it's not any one or any small group of physical activities. It's, it's a very comprehensive thing. Um, moving on to uh, the next one, um, the parents role, I think, this is where we you know, have to realize that physical literacy, but also physical education 
is a collaborative thing. You know, we can put that within the WISC model. We can put that in the CSPAP model. Uh, you know, we, we know that uh, we can't just put it all on, on, on one thing, but basically what role can a parent play? What are the questions should a, a parent uh, be asking? What guidance can they give their active learner? Um, uh, what can they do to make sure that they're putting them in the right environments, perhaps an extracurricular type of activities, sports, athletics, whatever that may be. Um, and just, you know, guidance on, you, you know, making sure that uh, uh, how they may have been limited in their view of physical education and physical activity that it is today and will be in the future much broader than that. And then the last page, you know, basically is to make sure we bring the connection of physical activity and physical education together. You know, basically saying that uh, uh, they're, they're really one and the same. It's the what and the why, you know, broke, put together there. And we have our five standards. We, uh, we don't know, I have to go over them, but you'll see what we've done here is we're not using education speaker jargon. We're putting this in the words of a student. You know, I, I know the skills to move and play. I know how to use a plan to move. I know how to stay active. I know how to act fairly and respectfully, so on and so forth. And then basically a little bit of call to action at the bottom there that says, hey, you know, if this is really resonating with you, uh, you know, let's make sure that, that we have conversations going on that are promoting quality physical education, that are promoting the importance of this within the community, within the school, uh, within the school district. And, you know, I'm, if we had, if, if we shared this with 100 teachers in a district, and one, 100 teachers, 100 uh, parents in a district, and one of them said, you know what, I am so moved by this, I wanna make this my platform to run on the school board. We now have a physical education advocate on the school board who has a basic knowledge and an interest maybe perhaps to learn more to preserve the policies that are working and to maybe increase them uh, to reach more of our students in deeper ways. Great. Um, I must say, the first time I read this guide, I was just <clears throat> very impressed by how you distilled it, how you brought it down, how you made it easy to understand. Um, to be honest with you, I, I don't know why I'd call it a parent's guide. I'd call it a, a guide for everybody. I mean, I, I think it works for teachers. I think it works for administrators. And you know, you can tweak it if you if you say it's for administrators, they'll probably read it better than if it says parents. But it, you know, it, it's very clear and concise, and it and it was so simple and distilled. Um, it, I, I was impressed with it. So, uh, but let's go back. You kind of mentioned it, but why do you why do you decide on writing parents before teachers and administrators? Well, you know. Um... Actually, the first group I wrote for were, were our students. And uh, you kind of mentioned in the introduction, but uh, basically, uh, you know, my purpose in life where I've put uh, all my focus is on blended learning in the flipped classroom, primarily for middle school and, and high school, so we can have more of that knowledge part. I recognize the time limitations uh, that exist for just about any teacher I've ever met in sure. terms of the kinetic curriculum, uh, getting kids active, doing the physical activity. And that's why it's not that teachers don't think the knowledge part is important. They do know it's important. They, they absolutely see that it's important. They just, it's a time issue. 
but the flipped classroom blended learning, you know, we can turn that all around and students can get the, an academic curriculum as it relates to uh, uh, physical education, very robust. It offers a great uh, um, opportunity for assessments, you know, in the academic realm that can add more robustness to a student's grade and, and actually allows, you know, learners who may not be as kinetically inclined at first to, uh, to experience physical education achievement in different ways than what we traditionally see. But in doing that, a lot of what I focused on, I had never included physical literacy. And then, you know, all of a sudden I go, gosh, how can we assume our students who are going to achieve physical literacy if one, they've never heard the term before, and two, as we've never explained it in terms that they can understand. And so I've added that curriculum in. In fact, it's one of the first things a general population high school student does as a part of a general population, you know, a general PE course that typically gets taken, uh, you know, freshman or sophomore year. And then it became, well, gosh, if we're now teaching our students this, we had better tell our parents what we're teaching now. And uh, um, so that's really where this came out. But, but again, uh, you know, I've been involved, uh, you know, with advocacy work, and I think that, you know, what I'll call, what some people call backyard advocacy, but basically, if we don't continually articulate what we're doing and the value of what we're doing, we leave a, a vacuum for people to decide for themselves what's going on and whether it's worthwhile. Something like this with parents really uh, hits that home. And, and guess what? When you hit parents, administrators listen to parents. So I think that, that we kind of hit administrators that way. Uh, you know, many of the other classroom teachers are parents of students in the school or school district there. And uh, uh, it just felt like the right way. Yeah, I've got it in my list. You know, we may need to do some things in different parlance, but uh, um, let's focus. Let's, you know, let's keep this focus rather than trying to boil the ocean and do everything all one time. So uh, yeah, you know, I'm hoping it's a conversation starter in a lot of school districts. Sure. Well, they need to get it before they can have a conversation starter. So we, uh, we have it in the handouts area for you and you can download it there in the handouts area and have it in your hands um, and take a good look at it. And uh, can they reproduce it and, and share it, Gary? It's, it's, it's freely available. I think on that handout there that you saw there, if you get that, there's a QR code and a URL so you can download the PDF and feel free to uh, distribute as you see fit with whatever words on the front end you want to give it. Uh, uh, could be used for uh, back to school night, meet the teacher night, parent-teacher conferences. Uh, could just be the general email that you send to parents. Here's what we're doing. Here's my curriculum. Uh, here's what's important to me. Here's the outcomes we're trying to uh, uh, to achieve. And here's why I think what we're doing in class makes sense and and, and is going to make for better citizens in the future. Well, let, let let's let's talk. Let let's. Let's be applied for a second. So sure. Teachers have a bunch of these. They have a, a let's get because we're primarily talking. Uh, you're talking about blended learning and that at the high school level, but but let's say those teachers have uh, you know 500 students and they printed 500 of these parents' guides. How are we going to get them in the hands of parents? You know, I, I uh, the the 
the best thing I would suggest is, of course, you know, the paper, the whole paper thing, when you print it out, does it ever make it home? You know, uh, you know, email has a lot better chance of that. Or, you know, a lot of teachers will have their uh, web page and uh, can link to it that way and people can download it. You can email that link uh, to folks um, so you can see it. Um, I've had discussions. I'll, I'll offer to this audience. Um, school uh, larger school districts that uh, might have a singular person uh, who's in charge of health and PE that said, hey, could we co-brand, could we, could you create a version of this with our brand on our school logo or our district logo um, and that sort of thing. So feel free to reach out to me. You know, I think if, uh, if there's something we can do to personalize that, of course, it's a PDF, um, but I'd be glad to, uh, to do that and, and make a version uh, that uh, um, gives it your brand as well. Um, I think that that shows commitment to uh, to physical literacy right there. Good, good. Um, well, okay, we have uh, we have a, a lot of listeners who have tuned in because they want to hear about it. So it means they're open minded about it, um, or else they wouldn't be listening. They'd say, "No, hell with that. I don't. I, I don't know LMT, but I know physical literacy. I've heard about it, and I'm not interested." Um, and, you know, physical literacy, as we described earlier, has been talked about in different ways. And there's going to be some people who aren't listening. And some of these people are going to go back and say, you know, maybe we ought to take a look at physical literacy. And these teachers are going to say, I could care less about physical literacy. Uh, why, why all this misunderstanding and how, how should maybe teachers who are going to take that back to their peers talk about it? Um, I'll go back to how I got started in a lot of this, even before it was a physical literacy conversation. But, uh, you know, when I got involved with physical education, there was a lot of movement going on in my state of Indiana at the time where the Department of Education had issued a substitution policy that allowed students to earn credit in physical education in, in, in Indiana. Uh, there are uh, the student needs to have two semesters of general physical education high school credits uh, to get a Indiana uh, diploma. And uh, there, you know, there were those that had the bright idea that, well, maybe, you know, PE and sports are really the same. There's physical activity. So if a, they're participating in a sport, uh, that can count towards a credit. If they are participating marching band, it's very uh, strenuous. They're, out on the asphalt, uh, you know, for five hours a day in August in the sun, and and uh, that's very physically demanding. So maybe we should get credit in that. ROTC got involved. You get all those in there. Performing arts gets involved, and and then we had a movement afoot. Uh, a handful of school districts said, you know what, we really want to free up their academic schedule, so we'll allow them to do an online course over the summer and get a PE credit without ever uh, having to lace up, without ever having to have any dialogue with the teacher. And, uh, you know, I had a niece and I said, she took this online PE. I said, tell me about it. She goes, it was great. I, I didn't have to leave my bedroom the whole summer. And uh, so obviously what happened there was uh, uh, physical education, the value was being diminished and teachers lost their job. And, and so, I, but I think with physical literacy, when, when we broaden that, 
uh, we are demonstrating that it, you know, while it involves physical activity, it isn't physical activity. And I know we can do the mapping of the standards of, of uh, ROTC or marching band standards versus physical education standards. But, you know, again, it may be the mother of the trombone teacher in the marching band who's now a part of the school board who says, yeah, I'm going to vote for that because, you know, Junior's working really hard out there on the, on the and, and unfortunately, that individual may, if, if they believe that's physical literacy and physical education, may need it more than, than, than others. But I think everyone does. So, you know, I, I think we have to recognize these trends and these changes, and we can't wait to react to them when they happen. We have to assume that we're always one board meeting away from at least a discussion of policies like this. And I think adding, you know, adding a, a literacy that has the equivalency, and, and then that's in the parent guide, I know we didn't go through all that, which said, hey, we do a lot of literacies and physical literacy has as much or more lifetime impact as just almost any other literacy. You know, it's right up there with reading literacy, right? Um, you, you know, we, it's, it's a cultural thing, I get that, but uh, basically if we continue to let things chip around the edge with these substitutions and waivers and uh, maybe just, getting rid of it all together or going from five days to one day or, you know, we're cutting it down from, you know, 40 minutes to 20 minutes, we, you know, at some point in time, uh, we got to recognize that uh, policymakers got to hear a more valued message. And, and again, I think this is our, this is our brand. You know, I, I think we have to recognize and, and call out uh, what we see is some of the, not so favorable emotions of the generations before our, our today's learners that they had and uh, um, who are now in a position to make those policy decisions. And uh, this is an educational process for those adults in the room. A lot of secondary physical education teachers are coaches first and teachers second. Um, and you bring physical literacy to them and they're going to say, I need football literacy. I need basketball literacy. How do, how do you know, what do we, that, that's an eternal problem we've had in our profession. And in fact, I came from a state, Washington, the state of Washington years and years ago when I first started my career said that if you taught PE, you couldn't coach because they didn't want the coaching teaching conflict. Um, that didn't last very long, but it, 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 it was something that was tried. Um, so how, how do we, how do we deal with these people that are busy? So are, is it going to take a lot of time to teach physical literacy, Gary? Uh, I, I really don't think so. I, I think, uh, um, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I tell you what, my physical ec uh, education experience back in the day were, were those team ball sports. They were taught by the coaches and guess what? I loved it. And, you know, I, I have to say that uh, that met, met where I am, but <laughs> let's look at where we are today, Gary Lemke. Uh, you, you know, at the, uh, while I was able to extend my basketball days and play in the leagues into my forties, that, you know, 20 some years later, doesn't exist either. And uh, my physical literacy journey includes things that I would have never thought I would have experienced in physical education. And 
So, you know, those are great moments in time. I will say that uh, um, this blurring of athletics and physical education is, is definitely a challenge for sure. But here's, here's the interesting thing I'm finding. Um, as I go out and I say, hey, there is a academic curriculum that can balance the kinetic curriculum you have. You don't have to change your kinetic curriculum, what you're doing in high school PE. But after we add that academic curriculum and we start to talk about physical literacy, fitness fundamentals, endurance, strength, you know, fit, heart rate training, all these other things that are comprehensive to physical activity rather than individual sports, all of a sudden, just introducing, having the opportunity to introduce those concepts, to explain them, to get comprehension of them, to give assessments on them, all of a sudden, a lot of light bulbs are going off with coaches slash teachers and saying, hey, you know what? Maybe it is time to take a step back. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, you, you know, what's the, the statistics? 70% of uh, uh, children by the age of 12 are, have dropped out of organized sports. So, you know, I know that's not, I think people recognize that that's not the answer. It may be what they do, but I'm seeing a lot of coaches uh, take a step back and go, you know what, maybe, maybe we, we need to look beyond that. And again, uh, I think it, it hits, they have to meet some of the requirements that all teachers have to meet in terms of, uh, of, of assessments. Uh, that makes sense of, uh, of how do you reach kids, how do you engage kids, you know, all those sorts of things and the traditional ways in, that are sports oriented aren't gonna do it. That doesn't mean we have to get rid of sports, but hey, the guidelines we have today say by high school, uh, team oriented sports is really not the emphasis of the physical activity curriculum for high school anyway. You know, I just heard uh, this is an aside now, but I just heard today that uh, golf is the only uh, youth sport that is increasing the uh, enrollment. And so I think maybe we need to have sport literacy and see if we can't get that enrollment up. How do you respond to that? Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, um, there there was a, a big Aspen Institute did a big thing on sports participation and how to get that uh, turned around and uh, they they offered uh, you know uh, eight different uh, ways uh, to to do that that's that's kind of a long list um, but uh, you know buried in those recommendations were some threads of which I have seen firsthand. Um, in, in many students in my community, uh, which is, it's just not fun. Um, the, you know, the, the coach, you know, I'm, I'm not participating the way I thought I would. Uh, the, the coach is uh, mean. You know, it's, it's some of those things where it's like they find alternative ways that they want to spend their extracurricular time outside of sports uh, because guess what? It's not a physical thing. It's it's an, an emotional thing uh, that is keeping our kids uh, from participating in sports at higher levels. So you know, I think maybe golf. You know, perhaps if they're seeing an increase, uh, they're making that emotional connection. Uh, and, and maybe because golf coaches are different than some of the team sports coaches. 
Could be. I don't know. I just throw it out there yeah. as you know, as as a point. I I I don't know for sure. Um, but it, it's interesting to look at. Um, you know, so do you call it physical literacy because you throw a, an academic component into it? No, actually, uh, the, the physical literacy, uh, the aha moment. Uh, um, uh, I, I would say my uh, epiphany day was uh, when I heard Dean Crowers uh, speak at the national convention um, on physical literacy. Uh, he was a keynote, and uh, uh, he, you know, his background obviously is very focused on that. That's that's a, a lot of his research, and, and a lot of his research is based in the 20 years analyzing the athletics. Uh, athletes the 2000 athletes of Cirque du Soleil and those athletes may be preteen to 50 to 70 years old and and everything in between and he used real life examples real life words um it really wasn't as much about physical education as really you know focused on the outcomes and uh, basically recognizing that physical literacy takes a lot more forms uh than than we might uh, have originally conceived of in, in physical education. And I, and I think, uh, you, you know, it really gets down for me to, and until you engage the mind, it's really hard to move the body. And so, yeah, the, the academic part is, is certainly a part of that. The why part of that, you know, rationalizing that. Um, but at the same time, um, the social and the cultural part, I think is, is huge. Um, you know, we can't ignore that either. We, we love to talk about all these different uh, things. I started this with all these different trends that we moved to and we changed to this one, changed to that one, changed to this one. Nobody ever looks, and I, I, I'm not afraid to say it, I was in the university level training teachers for 32 years. Um, but universities just don't train teachers how to be quality teachers and really to make physical education fun for all. Look, you watch a great teacher at work and you'll see kids having a good time, enjoying, et cetera. You can call it physical literacy, you can call it whatever. It's a great teacher communicating with kids and working with kids. And one of the things we wanna do is we think, well, if we have all these shape standards and outcomes, if we have all these conceptual PE, if we have movement education, if we have integration into the classroom, That'll make PE valued again. It ultimately boils down teacher-student relationship. And we don't work very hard at making teachers better teachers and taking the time to teach them how to communicate with kids and find out. And you brought up the word fun. That's why I'm going down this path, because you started it. But uh, <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm teasing you. But I, I totally agree with you. That you know, if there's not a joy to it, if there's not the fun of movement, why do it? And yet, so much of our programs have been dedicated to the gifted, to the people who can already do it, et cetera. And we don't have that deep concern for these kids that don't like that activity or want a different activity. And when you talk about physical literacy, one of your best pages is all the activities and things you can do. And yet we restrict to a very, very small, you talked about smorgasbord. Well, that's a pretty narrow smorgasbord. I got to eat mashed potatoes after mashed potatoes after mashed potatoes. So my point here is that, you know, yes, I love all these different ideas, 
but where do we dig in and make teachers really care about kids and learn that if you don't move, you don't teach. If you can't manage, you can't teach. If you don't get to know a little bit about the people you're teaching and you don't understand them as individuals, you go nowhere. Where, where, you know, where, but instead we get on these platitudes way above and we talk, it's gotta be fun. It's gotta be moving. It's gotta be this, but where do we help the teacher become a better teacher in your mind? That, that's a good question. You know, I, I, uh, I heard it put this way recently because obviously uh, there are a lot of educators languishing right now. Uh, we use uh, the word burnout. Uh, they're becoming maybe cynical, whatever it may be. And, you know, it's obvious that by now these call outs for self-care and self-compassion, they're falling on deaf ears, right? You know, you can't have a message from the principal that says, make sure you take care of yourself today. And oh, by the way, I need these three things done by tomorrow morning. Amen. You, know, it, you know, it just doesn't work that way. And, uh, um, you know, I do, though, believe that, you know, the best parent I got, you, is, I got you going with both hands now, so I know I now. I know. Yeah, I'm not even Italian. <laughs> there you I go. I got you worked <laughs> up a little bit. <laughs> you know what? The joy of teaching has to be parallel with the joy of learning. And, and it's... It, 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 they go hand, hand and glove, left and right, you know, and that sort of thing. And, and guess what? You know, we may decide, you know, we may kind of grouse sometimes that physical education isn't seen as quote unquote high stakes like math or language arts. Well, guess what? If it's not high stakes, you know, then hey, it's okay to have. And guess what? The high stakes stuff, some of the best teachers I ever had, whether it was a, a physics teacher or a calculus teacher, they were having fun doing that. So I, I think there can be joy, you know, no matter what. But here's here's the thing I would also say. If I, I, I've asked this question for years and years and years, I go, okay, teachers, tell me, you pick an activity today. You have 30 students in your classroom. And they go, oh, I wish I only had 30. But, you know, you have X number of, of students. What's the probability that all 30 students like the one activity you picked? And they go, well, it's probably pretty small. Then, then everyone else in the room goes, no, it's zero. You know, and, and you know, it's that thing. I go, well, gosh, you know, if, if we're going to be out on the tennis courts today, yeah, maybe some people play tennis. Maybe some do pickleball. Maybe some do, you know, fitness stuff. Maybe some people make up their own game, you know, whatever it is. Maybe you some know. go jogging. Maybe some go walking. Exactly. You know, and again, I think it's one of those things where I know I have the utmost respect for wrestling. Uh, you know, the strength, the skill, the strategy, all those sorts of things. But if I had come to class every day and had to do wrestling, I would not have had a good physical education experience if I had had the wrestling coach as my PE teacher. And, and, and I, so, I'll follow up on that by saying, kids can take a certain amount of things they don't like. So it's not like you have 30 kids, you gotta teach 30 different things. Kids can take some things they don't like if there's enough variety to get them headed in a different direction that it's not a constant diet, that narrow smorgasbord again. So. Uh, you know, right. I'm just going to follow Small and bites. reinforce what you're saying. Absolutely. Small bites, but a wide range. 
and and the and the knowledge that's like you know what i know you're not going to like everything we do but you're not going to have to do it for six weeks straight exactly you know and you're going to understand why we're doing what we're doing and what's coming next and uh you know and again physical literacy i think as an adult physical literacy is try something if you don't like it try the next thing try the next thing best coach i ever saw for one of my kids very competitive program more people when a tryouts happen most of the time most people didn't make it because there were so many people trying to do it that coach before anyone tried out had to write on a card if you don't make the team what are you going to do instead some of them it was volleyball some of them said well maybe i'll go out for the cross country team there were examples where they didn't make the team they went out for cross country and they won the state you know so it's like one thing can lead to another that can be even much bigger than where we are today and and we can't just put boxes around people so yeah you know what there's the non so fun stuff about school culture and climate and all that sort of stuff guess what teachers don't have the position power to change the the culture but they do have the position power to change the classroom climate and that's the fun the culture of the classroom is theirs and they own they, it they they own it and they can do it all right so <laughs> i know <laughs> You know, we have, we have a lot of listeners that are strong and concerned physical educationers, educators. So let's talk to them uh, as a practitioner. They're all and let's let's have a little fun here. Let's make you the education potentate. OK, you're the man. And for a day, what would you change? That would quickly impact teachers and students both. And don't give me a long drawn out smorgasbord just as concisely as possible wow well one is i would say that i don't think any one individual is going to change the, everyone's lot in life oh no that's a cop so, <laughs> I, I know it is of course it is <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say this i do believe our profession needs a moonshot we need to have one cause that we unify behind and I believe it's making physical literacy our brand. And if that's not it, we, we need a brand. <laughs> I know that. We need something we can communicate to the outside world that we can collaborate with government, nonprofit, uh, corporations, whatever it may be. But what I will also say is, is I would empower people today that don't wait for that person that may or may not come from on high to say this is our brand at your school district, which guess what? Local control in many states and school districts is where these things are, where the rubber hits the road. It could be your brand tomorrow. You know, it's almost kind of like the, what, what's the, the Wizard of Oz? You know, you could always have gone home anytime you wanted. You could always do physical literacy as your brand in your school and your district. And uh, you always have that, you know, that ability to do that. And, and that's really kind of one of the big messages I have today is just, Yes, it's great to have the air support. It's great to have the resources. It's great to have all that behind, but it's still going to be a local thing. And it starts with you. And even if it's just in the classroom, that's fine. It does start with you. But on the other hand, if they listen to professional organizations that are changing every three to five years, then how in the hell do they know what their brand is? And you can't blame them for being mixed up about their brand. And I've said over and over and over, 
one of the, one of the things McDonald does is compared to other chains, they've changed their menu less than any of the other national chains. They know who they are. When you go in there to get an egg McMuffin, you know what it is and what you're getting. Now, if you don't like egg McMuffins, then go somewhere else. But when you go to McDonald's, you know what they are. Our profession often doesn't know who they are. And that's because they don't have a brand. Now, you think it should be physical literacy, but five years from now, someone's probably going to say it should be something else. That concerns me. And that should concern our profession because that keeps teachers stirred up not knowing who they are. And you've made a very impassioned plea for what you believe should be the focus and the brand of our profession. And I can certainly buy into it but you're one person and you're not the professional organizations and that you know that has a lot to do you can say what you want but when somebody when a principal wants to look at why aren't we doing this or doing that it's usually based on what national associations say or what the professional organization says so well, I love what you're saying about brand. I think you're on the mark about a brand, but I would say to you, it hasn't been done in the last 60 years. Right. Nor has an organization at the national level said, this is our moonshot either. No, you are dead right. Dead so, right. So, you know, I think there, and, and again, you know, I hope that happens, but, you know, at the same time, as, I, as we uh, mentioned earlier, there are national standards under review right now. Uh, in our state, we next month we start a revision of our state standards, of which you know our state teachers will look to the state standard more than the national standards anyway. So you know again, it's already a little bit local here. But let me let me uh, do. I know we're we're probably close on time here, but here's what I'm going to say. Let's not get too wrapped around fiscal literacy. Uh, and, you know, maybe we'll call it that. Maybe we'll call it something else. That's fine. But for now, let's say the physically literate individuals own their daily movement i'm teaching kids to move that you know that's just or not i'm teaching kids to own their movement for a lifetime and and to enjoy that and all the benefits that come along with that and that's not something i think is going to change anytime soon health and human services in their in the 2018 physical activity update uh, basically is really focused you know kind of recognizing the lay of the land as a, as a society and going, well, gosh, we might have a lot of lofty goals. We got at least fundamentally, until we solve the movement thing, none of this other stuff's gonna matter. So fiscal literacy for me, owning daily movement for a lifetime. That's I like simple. That. I like that. And uh, I like having you on. I think you did a great <laughs> job today. Uh, it, pleasure uh, going back and forth with you. and and uh, thinking with you and I, I, I think you, you, your expertise is great. I absolutely love your handout. Um, even if someone's you know, not sure of what to do, that handout will basically tell a physical educator what they should be doing and what should be out there and where we should be ultimately. I mean, to me, that could be almost a brand, uh, you, you know, because it's laid out short and concise and and you know you deserve uh, large kudos for a job well done on that i i sure hope that any parent that reads it knows what physical literacy is after that me too keep up the good work <laughs> i appreciate uh, having Bob, you it's on. been a pleasure 
it, it, it was just a joy talking to you. I wish you all the best, Gary. See you soon. Okay, see you soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.